Welcome to another episode of Chat and Chill with Super Hill. I'm your host, Dr. Terrell Hill, Superintendent of Windsor Public Schools, and we are so glad you are joining us for today's episode. I'm really excited. This is something near and dear to my heart. Um, I love history. I really love black history. Um, I will plug in there, despite the fact that there is an assault on real history. There are many people out there who are still putting it out there and keeping it real, and our guests today are just those kind of people. So I want to welcome our guest. We have Dr. James Entz, and we have Miss Patricia Gardner. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, greetings. Thank you. So we're going to get right into it. I have these guests here today because they are going to be doing something incredible here in Windsor. Uh, it's a Black Inventions exhibit. So before I start asking you any questions, I want to make sure the audience knows uh, exactly what this is in terms of the date, uh, the time, and the place. Because, And we will do it a couple times throughout the show. I want to make sure folks really get it because we want to pack the house for you. So um, Dr. Entz or... Pat, if you want to, whichever one, it doesn't bother me. Share, please. Sure, I will share. So excited to be able to have this Black Inventions exhibit here in Windsor. Uh, it will be, uh, the, we have an evening program on Thursday, February 1st, from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. at Sage Park Middle School, 25 Sage Park Road here in Windsor. And the other exciting, that's a piece that's really exciting because it gives the opportunity for the community to come together and really appreciate uh, this exhibit. Uh, there will also be opportunities for uh, the um, event will offer like a scavenger hunt uh, so that uh, families can kind of engage the exhibit together. Um, and then what's really, really exciting is that on February 1st and February 2nd, the exhibit is here to engage our students at Sage Park Middle School. So during the day, those students, we are expecting about 700 students to be able to go through the exhibit. And so we're very appreciative of uh, Leanna John, uh, Jorgensen, who is the uh, principal there. She's very excited about this opportunity as well. So I'm hoping we can uh, expand this, but we'll see. I mean, I don't want to book your calendars just yet. Um, but this sounds so interesting. So I want to jump right into it. Dr. Entz, you are the curator and the CEO of this Black Inventions exhibit. So could you tell us, how did this get started? It was 29 years ago. I saw a sign, I still can't remember where I saw this sign. It says, if the creator gives you an idea, he gives you the means to carry it out. And the following year, the Black Inventions Museum was born. We had very little funds, but we had an idea. And we traveled around the country searching for information, books. At the time, the internet was not big. This information wasn't on the internet. There was very few books. And we had to travel to had an office in D.C. and Howard and the Schomburg in New York. And um, I'm standing on the shoulders of a gentleman who worked for the patent office, Henry Baker. And he worked for the patent office, and he collected the information of black inventors. Uh, when you file for a patent on the application that doesn't have race or creed on it, and Mr. Baker was working at the front desk, 
and when they would apply, he would make a little note and say, this gentleman is a, you know, black inventor. Okay. And he did that for many years. So I'm standing on his shoulders, and I appreciate his work, and he passed the torch, and I'm carrying that torch as best as possible to let everyone know that black people are inventing things. And they have since we've been here in America, as well as in Africa and around the world. Okay, so I know um, I am, I've said on many shows uh, and many talks, uh, I come off as the boy definitely from the inner city, but I am that inner city nerd. So I've always been a big, big reader since I was in preschool, actually, my mom says. And I've traveled the world. I've been in the military overseas. And no matter where I go, I'm looking to go see museums and exhibits. So I know there. that means that I'm going to be able to see collections of things that sometimes are uh, extremely rare, but uh, if nothing else, they have a story to tell. So you've talked about Mr. Baker. Where the items um, that you've curated, like, how did you come across them? Did you have to purchase things as you were traveling the country? Have people donated things to you once they found out about your idea? So how have you built your collection? Yeah. The exhibit now is over 175 authentic artifacts uh, that are in our collection. We have pad designs, personal letters, rare uh, photographs, and brief biographies of the black inventors. Uh, we traveled the country as we were on tour, as well we looked for different items. Uh, people heard about us and they would donate things okay. to us. I remember one time I was in New York, and um, I was at a flea market, and I didn't want to get too excited. I saw a typewriter. Interesting enough, the black man invented the typewriter, and the lady who was selling it, it was a very, very old, close to the original model. Right. And um, I said, well, I don't have any cash for me. Let me go to the ATM machine. And when I came back, she said, why are you buying this? And I didn't want to sound too excited because the price may go up. <laughs> well, it's all business. I sound from the city. <laughs> oh, I just like old things. <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah, you know, and I, I, I didn't want to lie either, you know, and I said, well, I'm the curator for the Black Inventions Museum, and you probably didn't know that uh, Mr. Burridge invented the typewriter and gave her the date and gave a little background on it. She said, seriously? I'm like, yes. And she said, put your money away. I said, excuse me? She said, put your money away. She said, do you go to schools? I said, yeah. She said, do you go to colleges? I said, yes. And she said, and you teach children and, and people about this information? I said, yes. She said, put your money away. Wrapped it up and gave it to me. Oh, oh, and I said, okay. this is a blessing. Amen. You know, and we, we had many, many, you know, uh, stories like that. You know, I've traveled all around the country. Uh, we've even traveled to um, in the Middle East. We traveled to the Caribbean. And I've always kept my eyes and ears open. And people, you know, donate things to us. We purchase them. You know, when we're down south, we get a lot of items because a lot of the flea markets, have some of the old original stuff, 
mm-hmm. you know, and um, we take advantage of it, you know, but I keep my poker face on <laughs> 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 so that we can acquire the items that we need, you know. The Black Inventions, uh, our, our mission basically is to develop racial pride, promote racial understanding, and provide a new motivation for learning. So to have the artifacts, to have the patents, to have the patent numbers, to have a a picture of the inventors, it brings it home. Mm Because we can just say, okay, the black man invented this, but you want to know who invented it. When? Where did he invent it? How Mm -hmm. how can I find this information? Now, do you have a number? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and so we try to provide as much information as possible. You know, we started off in Western Mass, not too far from you, in a little town called Springfield, Massachusetts. So I grew up in Springfield. And I, and I, I remember, um, I believe it was our first presentation, and it was open to the community, and a non-African American came to the exhibit. He was a, an inventor's buff, and... He went through the exhibit, and he was rumbling the whole time. You know, he was like, oh, this person didn't do this, this person didn't do that. And we had attendance there, and they said, you know, James, this gentleman is causing problems. Should we escort him out? I said, no, no, let him, you know, let him um, continue to go through the exhibit, and that's his opinion. So eventually I, I... eased up on him, and I said, how you doing? How can I help you? And he said, oh, you know, I'm fine. And I said, so what's the challenge we have here? He said, oh, well, this person here didn't do this. I said, well, you know, the patent number is right there. And matter of fact, <clears throat> I have the telephone number to the patent office. You can call the patent office and check that number. And he was impressed with that, <laughs> you know? And because um, I don't think we had Google at the time. You couldn't just... Pick right. up your phone and search it, you know. Right, right. And um, I stood my ground. You know, I stood my ground and I stand behind my research. And um, eventually, he came back. At the end of the day, he came back. And he said, uh, do you have a donation box? Mm. And at the time, we didn't. But I created one immediately. Right. <laughs> I got a trunk. <laughs> and the gentleman put a donation in the box. He said, great work. Thank you. So I've heard Dr. Entz now, Pat, say, you know, how he got this started and, you know, briefly why he got this started. So how did you get connected to this? Well, um, one of the things that I'm involved in is that we have an awesome Windsor Freedom Trail uh, here in Windsor. And our uh, committee looks for creative ways in which we can fulfill our mission. Mm-hmm. And so part of our mission is obviously to celebrate the Windsor Freedom Trail here in Windsor, which has six sites. What is the we- Windsor Freedom Trail? Oh, thank you. Uh, the Windsor Freedom Trail is part of the Connecticut Freedom Trail. Okay. And the Connecticut Freedom Trail was established Uh, The Connecticut General Assembly in 1995 established September as a Connecticut Freedom Trail Month. My favorite. And the the 
the concept of the Freedom Trail is to celebrate African-American achievement, history, heritage, uh, as well as the accomplishments mm-hmm. of African-Americans in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Because we uh, sometimes don't think about all the significant things and individuals who have paved the way for us. And so this gives people an opportunity to engage monuments, sites, uh, churches, um, areas that are associated with the Underground Railroad, um, concepts of freedom uh, on an annual basis. So the Connecticut Freedom Trail uh, Month is when the Windsor Freedom Trail has its events to uh, do just that. And so the sites that we have in Windsor that are established as uh, concepts of freedom here, we have those annual events, a Freedom Trail walking tour, as well as a Freedom Trail run. In addition to those annual events mm-hmm. that we have in September, we look at ways in which we can still engage the community at other times of the year. And so we certainly wanted to celebrate uh, Black History Month And this was something that uh, we actually brought to Windsor in 2011. So it's been a long time coming. But it was so impactful to many of the students who engaged it, as well as the community. Um, We thought that it would be a great time to uh, revisit Mm -hmm. having the inventions exhibit here. Uh, So we were able to acquire a grant through the town that helped in part to uh, sponsor this, so it's a, and and we want we we believe in collaborations when we can, so we wanted to collaborate with the um, the schools because it's so important for our young people to take pride in who they are and to see another side of history that they may not be uh, able to see through the s- school books or what they're learning, and so this is another creative way to do that and give them an opportunity to engage something as significant as this that tells them another story about their ancestry and their history. So the segue and the connection that I was looking for, um, because we're going to get right into it, because the world we're living in right now is just a bit crazy. And I'm talking about the U.S. first and foremost, um, because uh, as Dr. Ensign said, the inventions and the patents, the creativity, the industrial uh, industriousness of black folks throughout the history of being here in this country often isn't talked about, right? When you think of Black History and Black History Month, you know, we usually, most people can rattle off about five black folks real quick. And um, I know I don't even know all the inventors, even though I do a ton of reading. So Dr. Entz, more so than even when you started, and it doesn't mean the purpose uh, changed, why is this series and, you know, what you're doing Why is this important for everyone, you know, in our country? This history is not just for black people, it's for all people. And it's American history, it's black history, and it's not taught in our schools. Everything that is around us, at some point or another, is connected or was invented by a black person. And for some well, reason, well, another, me, I'm gonna interrupt you for a second because I can sure. see, I can see people already listening out there going what? So qualify that statement. I think I know where you're coming from. Could you qualify that? Because remember, people are all over going to hear this, and and 
I always believe in people walking away from any conversation I have with some with some education. So when you yeah. say everything around us, how, what makes you say that or make that comment? Okay. We just celebrated Martin Luther King's birthday this Monday. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you what Martin Luther King said. He said, by the time we leave for work, Americans have depended on the inventions from the minds of blacks. Now, Martin Luther King said that 1966. We're in 2024. He recognized then that at that time that we contribute so much to America and we don't get the, the we don't get the, the 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 recognition for any of those things that, at all. 2024, we're in a whole different level. 50 years they've been a whole different level. I'm about to share not things from agriculture, not mechanical, not just laborish inventions. I'm going to share the technology inventions. Just about everything that we touch today is at the hands of a black inventor. Okay? I'm working on a book, and it's called The Magnificent Seven. And these seven black inventors five male and two females, because females are inventing as well. And these seven black inventors contribute significantly in the technology world to put us where we are today. And I think it's very important that not only children see this, but adults see this as well, because we take things for granted. We're right now on a cell phone, a telephone. There's a gentleman by the name Thomas Masaya. He's responsible for fiber optic. He's from Ghana. And his story is funny because he said he he came to to MIT. They've been working working on fiber optics for fifteen years. They couldn't the fiber optic would keep on breaking. It couldn't pass enough transmission or information through the fiber optic cable. It didn't work. He said when he joined MIT, he solved it in six months. Okay? Mm -hmm. So, and that was almost 20 years ago. And as you can see where we are today, the Caribbean, Africa, are, 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 are receiving fiber optics so they can have faster internet. He said, right now you can take a picture on your phone and send it to your friend in a matter of seconds it's there. It's because of that technology that he created. And he's just one of the magnificent seven, okay? So I see it's important now because children or students are so uh, happy about technology, computers, laptops, cell phones, mm-hmm. the games on TV, the, the remote control. All of these things were invented by a black inventor. Now, some have received rewards, monetary, some haven't. But at the same token, it still should be known because if Jamal 
in school sees that this gentleman can create this and he had a, a, a limited education, limited resources, then Jamal will believe that he can do it. And that's what the exhibit is all about, helping students believe they can do anything they put their mind to. It doesn't matter where you're from, doesn't matter how much education you have. We want them to have as much education as possible, but it doesn't matter. Long they believe they can do it, they can do it. You know, this gentleman was from Ghana, came to America, you know, and now the whole world is using his technology, and he's just one of the magnificent seven. So I'm going to switch to Ms. Pat right now. Ms. Pat, when we, he talked about, Dr. Ernst talked about um, the students and the impact, um, you, you grew up here in Windsor. Um, I know you've seen Windsor change in many ways, grow in many ways, and quite honestly, some things haven't changed all that much. Um, what do you think? some of the impacts will be or can be for students and adults, but I'm gonna focus on students right now from an exhibit like this. What do they have to gain? What, what do you, how do you think this will impact students here in Windsor? Well, as a student here in Windsor going through the school system myself, I will tell you that one of the things that stood out the most to me in my history classes was a feeling of uh, being marginalized by uh, the conversation as relates to black history. Because what st stood out to me the most was being in a room of students that not many of them looked like me. <laughs> However, there was a long conversation about uh, enslavement and that uh, we were slaves. And so right away, you get this feeling of, is everybody looking at me because I'm black? And that's the only thing I can contribute to history that is impactful. And so as an adult, and as I've you know, uh, become more uh, involved in the community uh, and doing some things, I actually have um, feel led to do this kind of work. And what's important to, to this kind of work is the earlier we can be exposed to it, and not just us, but also students that may not look like me, uh, the earlier they can be exposed to it, the better opportunity and chance there is that they can accept truths about our significance in history. So one of the things that I want to also share is when we brought this exhibit to Windsor in 2011, uh, we had it at the, at the high school. Also, there were younger kids that were coming through the exhibit. And there was a difference between the acceptance and the engagement of the younger kids coming through the exhibit and the high school kids. And I did my best to try and engage this group of students and uh, talk what, to what them about- What do you mean by difference? Who, who, difference who meaning in terms, of the in terms of the acceptance of the truth that was right there in front of them. So who was accepting? So we had, um, there was, a young, I will tell you specifically, there were some young African-American women or mm -hmm. ladies, mm -hmm. uh, students, who I talked to and I said, what do you think about this? And they said to me, this is amazing. This should be done every year. Mm -hmm. We don't know about these things. And this should be something that's done every year. It made such a difference for them. 
and then I was trying to engage some of the um, white students who were on their skateboard, talking to each other, mm -hmm. not engaging the exhibit. Uh, and so I thought, hmm, cell phones. So I was right there next to the uh, exhibit for the cell phone. And, you know, wanted to point out to them, you guys use a cell phone, right? And I was pointing out to them, look who invented the cell phone. And the response was, didn't invent my cell phone. So again, I think these things are important, uh, not only to present to our young people, mm -hmm. but the earlier we can present it and to be open and honest about our history and be more inclusive about our history earlier along, then it becomes part of what they are experiencing and learning through the time in which they're uh, students in, at the elementary, middle school level, and then high school, and going further along. And so there's more of an acceptance to the fact. All right, Doc, thank you. Dr. Hens. I agree. Yeah, I'll piggyback on that. We started this exhibit. My primary goal was to motivate and inspire black students. As I traveled around the country, I realized that black students as well as white students feed off of the same lies or lack of information of the truth. And I realized it was just important for them to have as well as black students. All right? So in our early in our early days, we were going to predominantly uh, uh, black schools, which was great. But then things changed. We started going to predominantly white schools because it was important for them to know this information, to set the record straight. You know, and matter of fact, the tour this year for 2024 <clears throat> is called For the Record. For the Record. Okay. And For the Record. And we want to make things clear and have it recorded and let it be known, especially in the area of technology, because the schools we have today are feeding the, the same information. So black students are getting the same information, white students are getting the same information. You, you, I usually start a lecture off at a school and say, name me a black inventor. I'll get three answers. George Washington Carver, Thomas Edison, and Benjamin Franklin. Only one of them are black. Right. You don't and the only thing they can Lewis tell me Latimer. about George Washington Carver that he invented peanut butter, which he didn't. <laughs> so you see where we, we you, you see how important our mission is. You know, this information is not taught in class. It's not taught in science class. It's not taught in history class. And we always question why. You know, some of us are kind of naive and like. Well, it really doesn't matter, but, but then again, why is it not taught? And that's the question I ask, like, why is it not taught? You know, if it's not that important, then why is it, why is it not there? You know? So, we don't like to say it's a conspiracy, but if our students knew better, they would do better. If they see themselves in a big picture of things, you know? Uh, when we read history books, we never see ourselves in history book. You know, so we don't inspire to be a scientist, an inventor. Some people don't even realize that things are, have to be invented. <laughs> you, you know, things just happen to be there.
So they don't know that there's people that have to invent things. There's people who are scientists. There's people who are, who are mathematicians. You know, there's other professions besides doctors and lawyers. You know, uh, but they don't see themselves in that picture. And this is what the Black Inventions Museum does. It gives you examples as well as role models. What I, I think what I, what I appreciate about this role models. Sorry, I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm saying what I appreciate about about this, what Ms. Pat said, and what you just said, and now I'm gonna I'm just throw my uh, five cents in here. Um, I love things like this, and I love when history is shared, real, true history is shared, um, because it it breaks stereotypes, it breaks old paradigms, and it helps people to understand their place within a particular society or a system. Um, as you both were speaking, you know, and you talked about what we learn, and you know, I was in our, in studio here. Uh, Miss Pat's like, I looked at her face as she was talking about sitting in class and like saying, "Oh shoot, I'm like the only one." I I often reflect on a story when I was in fourth grade in Springfield, Mass, at a, um, my elementary school, and the teacher was talking about slavery, and. I said I've always been a reader, and my mom always made sure, um, so don't bleed the stereotypes, my single mama made sure her boys read and learned and gained information. So she also uh, knew about the unlearning when we came home from school regularly. So I asked the question, so what were we doing the day before? And I will never forget this at 10 years old. What were we doing the day before? And she said, the day before what, Terrell? I said, the day before we got on the ships and were brought here. Because if we got captured by slave traders, that means they went somewhere where there were people that they were intending to put in slavery. And I understood this clearly at 10. So the day before they got there, when you snatch a person, we knew what kidnapping was at that age, right? You watch movies. Yeah. So I knew, like, kidnappers don't go to the kidnapping store. Right. And like, I'll take three of those people and two of those. So you take people from somewhere and typically you're taking them from wherever it is they live, exist, work, play, whatever the case may be. So I was like, you know, I won't say the teacher's name or the school when I remember. You see, I'm being careful with that. I don't want to slight anyone. Um, but what were we doing the day before? And what so memorable about this uh, memorable about this experience is she sent me to the principal's office. Um, and I remember my principal very clearly. Uh, because I was one of the top students even then in school, like I, I didn't get in like real heavy trouble for stuff. Normally my trouble in going to the principal's office, sitting on that bench, I don't know if you had a school where they had that bench outside the administrator's office, yeah. but yeah, that was the back in the day thing, right? So I'm sitting out there and when she came out, she's like, Terrell, why are you here? And I said, Miss So-and-so sent me here because I asked a question in class when she was talking about slavery and she said, and the Africans were put on slave ships and they were brought to America as slaves. And I said, what were we doing the day before? The day before we were chained and put on ships in Africa and came across the ocean, what were we doing? What was our society like? I only learned that my history starts at a boat with chains on. And I said, when we study stuff about white people, Miss So-and-so, you guys were in England and, you know, you say you wanted religious freedom. I didn't know all the real facts back then. You know, sure. so you, no. you came to America. The Empire. <laughs> right. But you, you came to America for religious freedom. 
Uh, they ain't talk about indentured servitude and greed. But I, you know, but I'm like, what were we doing? And she was kind, but I just sat there until it was time for my next class. And so I, I've always remembered that. And I exist in this space and time from that moment at 55 years old. So 45 years later, I'm still the same Terrell. Like I will ask the questions, and I'm much more, you know, well versed in red. So when people were speaking, like the the white gentleman you talked about in Springfield, right? I too will not um, try to argue with people. I want to educate them. And so when I think about this series, I'm so excited to see it, and I, I'm excited for people to come because they're going to be educated. And I love the fact that you actually have a specific focus for this exhibit. When you talk about, you know, especially in 2024, you're focusing on the technology and, you know, the things that we actually engage, you know, in our day-to-day now, right? And we're not talking about a cotton gin or, you know, like the tea to, you know, the golf ball, but things that you can make connections to right now. And unfortunately, those those students that Ms. Pat engaged, right, they couldn't see the connection to their cell phone at this time. But... You know, I'm hoping with this exhibit, you'll have students seeing the through line to the things that they just, as you said, take for granted, that they think are just there. I I was born and they had iPads. I was born and they had cell phones, right? I was born and the light bulb worked. So those are things that, and what part did someone who looked like me play? And as an educator, I'm always looking to inspire students of color because I believe our society too often you know, speaks in a in a manner in which I don't want to say it uh, kills the student, but I've always said, and I will continue to say, it doesn't inspire them to believe in the accomplishments that they too can add to society. If my people have always done this, then why is it so far fetched that I too can be a contributor? And no, our public school systems are not designed to do that. So wherever and whenever we get the opportunity to, you know, infuse the truth, um, I am definitely a proponent of that and will support that in any way possible. So share about share with me why you chose to focus on the particular areas of patents that you chose to focus on and and share out loud what those are. The exhibit the exhibit is going to have is broken into different sections. But we want to focus on this year is about the technology, you know, because the technology things is happening in front of us as we speak. You know, we have some great black engineers and inventors that are working at companies or have their own companies. You know, even in Africa, you know, they are making milestone breakthroughs in technology, you know, and some of them didn't have books when they was growing up. But now this person is an electrical engineer, a computer scientist, you know. Um, whatever inspired them, they made it happen, you know. And this is what we're trying to get through to our students here in America. They can make it happen, you know. They can do anything they put their mind to, you know. Um, when we do our presentation, I, I do a, 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 a quick exercise and have them vision themselves doing the thing they want to do when they become an adult, whatever it is, because seeing is believing, you know, because sometimes 
I don't even know if our children even dream anymore. You know, it's so, it's, you know, it's got to that point. I don't even think our children dream anymore. They don't have ideas. You know, they don't see themselves leaving the, their different neighborhoods. You know, they don't believe that they can be all they can be. You know, and this is why the exhibit is so important. I stress that so much because, you know, things got to be invented and we use these things, <laughs> you know, and you can connect to it. You know, you can connect to it. You know, you just think that, oh, we went to Walmart, we bought a phone and we never realized that someone had to create that cell phone. Someone had to create that uh, caller ID. Someone had to create that fax machine, you know, all at the hands of not knowing that it was all at the hands of a black inventor, someone that looked just like their mom or their dad. And this also doesn't diminish the accomplishments of non-black folks, right? So I, I, I think that's the argument that people write. Yeah. That's why I like, I yeah, like your theme. You know, and, and that's the theme for the uh, tour this year. For the record, return to greatness, okay? Because even in 2024, this information is still not out there, you know? But interesting enough, the internet is doing wonders, you know? And, and I thank the creator for inspiring a black inventor to do the internet, okay? Uh, the gentleman name is Philip Emingwali, and he's responsible for the internet, the father of the internet. Now, there's some people who challenged him and said, oh, the U.S. Army had internet before, but in actuality they had intranet. But he came up with the idea, reflecting on nature, okay? And uh, he said, well, we should put all these computers together and create one supercomputer. And that's what the internet is. You know? See, I didn't. I didn't know that. I'm gonna interrupt you. I didn't know that because I was. And and I, now you know I'm gonna go read though because I'm a researcher. So because I was in the army, and when I talk to people right up until this very moment, I've always said we had that in the military before it existed in public because I could talk to folks at other bases all over the world from my computer, and right. we didn't have that. You know, in because I I did banking um, before I graduated from high school. You know, I started doing I was a bank teller and I worked in their computer department at sixteen. And I'm like, and that ATMs were just coming online when I was getting ready to graduate from high school. So I'm like, I knew that those systems of just talking to folks everywhere other than the fax machine did not exist. So I always said that the internet came about from military um, operations. So that's interesting. So I got to do it. See, you didn't give me some homework. You see that? Now, the internet is connecting and is being used to share information. Some true and some not. Right. Right? (laughs) Lies spread real fast. You have to do more research to find that out, you know? But interesting enough, when you said the Army, now I mentioned the gentleman's name, Emmett McHenry. Mm Mm-hmm. He's responsible for .com, okay? He's a gentleman who is working for the government, once again, the government, the U.S. Army, and they needed to um, create something or uh, create a, a code or a destination for different businesses and different departments. And he came up with the IP thing .com. Mm-hmm. 
okay? And he had the contract for the government. Things were doing great, all right? Now, he got undermined it. Now, you said you're 55. I'm not sure if you remember, uh, what's the name of the company? Network Solution? Yep. All yep. Right? Network Solution was Emmett McHarry, a black man who invented dot-com, okay? Network Solution was the first company to be responsible to handing out these IP addresses, dot-com, okay? At the end of the contract, the government didn't renew his contract, okay? And Network Solution kind of went bankrupt, or it just, you know, fell apart. Right after that, they end up giving it to a European, and he bought Network Solution, and before you know it, .com is all over the world now, as well as other extensions. But it was a black man who first did .com. All right, now you said you was working on computers back in the days. There's a gentleman by the name of Mark Dean. He worked for a company, some of us don't know, know about this company, IBM, because it's not that big. But they're behind the scenes, <laughs> okay? IBM, he worked for IBM, and Mark Dean is considered the invisible man of the technology world. He uh, responsible for nine of the original patents for the PC computer. Now, when we say the PC computer, if you remember working in the bank, you probably had a room full of huge computers that looked like bookcases or... Oh, yeah. With, that's that's what I'm saying. With the, the big tapes on them. Oh, yeah. The, fl- yeah, exactly. the floor the floor was raised up. Okay. Yep. All right. And this gentleman brought that down to a computer screen in front of you, a personal computer. You didn't have to have a whole room of computers. He had a computer sitting on your desk. So he's responsible for that. You know, Mark Bean, you know, and I just found out that there's another gentleman that who came right behind him, um, who was also the African-American in IBM, but much younger than him, who was also responsible for plenty other inventions in IBM. So I ain't going to let you, I'm going to stop you because I don't want you, look, we ain't about to to have a, a, you know, history lesson here on this podcast and then anybody going to want to come. I want people to come to the exhibit so that they can actually see this for themselves, learn, and as Again, whenever I speak somewhere, church, uh, college classroom, wherever I speak at a, at a podium, my intention, I always tell people, is for them to leave you know, my presence, and I want them to fact check me. I want them to. Sure. I want them to go learn. Um, I'm not here to just spit information into your brain, but um, at, I, I want to pivot um, off of something you said to Ms. Pat again. How do you think this will impact our community here in Windsor? Because even though it's going to be at Sage Park, right, and the initial group or the uh, the focus group will be the students, um, and we we expect about 700 students, I'm hoping as we put the information out, um, the podcast goes out, we get way more than that. And I'm really hoping, selfishly, that we get to have an exhibit, you know, that goes beyond being in just a school. So... 
tell me some of the things you think about when it comes to this exhibit and the community impact. Well, it's a very good point you make, and that's why we made sure we had an evening component from 5 to 8 on the 1st, because then that's open to the community, not just the Windsor community, but the greater community. Anybody can come during that time. Mm -hmm. And we're really hoping and encouraging uh, that families come uh, adults, children, what have you. And we even had, uh, in the past, when we had this in 2011, uh, we had students that came because it was part of their class right. in the, during the day, mm -hmm. but they brought their parents back in the evening. So that tells you the impact it had on those young people. And so we're hoping that that will happen again uh, and it's something that is engaging for the whole family mm -hmm. and they can have fun with it. And like you had mentioned, um, Dr. Hill, is we're really uh, hoping that when the individuals come or their parents uh, come with their children during the evening, that they not just come and say, oh, that was nice. We come with your notepad, mm -hmm. have an activity that you do with your children at home, give them an assignment after the fact. We want them to learn, not just see. And so um, that's really important. Um, and that's a component that we're really hoping uh, people will take away with them. And in terms of the impact with the, on the, the Windsor community, again, this is a continuation of what we try to do with the Freedom Trail uh, as it relates to, you know, really enriching uh, the minds of individuals as it relates to the contributions that we have made to this country, to this community. Um, and we also, you know, want for people to realize is that um, this, like Mr. N said, is that this is a this is an opportunity for us as a community, regardless of our background, to come together and celebrate what we all take advantage of as of today. Mm -hmm. These are things that um, you know we we need to be open to. We hope that people come with an open mind and ready to learn something new and really have that connection to, wow, I didn't realize what I appreciate today was something that was invented by someone who was actually. So I'm gonna be a little controversial. So that's a shocker, right? Um, I'll add to that. I want people to come, but I don't care if you come without with a non-open mind. Because as she was speaking and I'm looking at her, and my, this is how my mind works, I'm thinking of, you know, uh, where we get pearls from oysters. And if I want a pearl, if I'm a pearl diver, and I remember reading that book way back in elementary school, yeah. um, the they're not sitting they're not sitting there wide open just for you to grab the pearl. You gotta collect them and then you're gonna have to pry them open to get the pearl. But what I'm hoping the exhibit will do is create the dynamic within each individual who encounters the exhibit to want to dive deep into the information yeah. analogous to the sea, find the oysters, and have the perseverance and the drive to open it to get to the pearl of information. And I'm really um, exhorting our non-black families mm -hmm. to come. Mm -hmm. I'm saying that clearly. I don't want this to be just something that that's what the black folks are doing because it's Black History Month. Windsor prides itself on being the first town. And since I've encountered this town, 
um, in 2002. That's like the big point of pride. And that's a great thing. But you're only first once. So what I try to do as superintendent is have Windsor be first at a lot of things. You know, like the SEL work that we do here in Windsor. I said three years ago in front of a commissioner and many politicians, I wanted Windsor to be the first and the number one town when it comes to SEL work in the state of Connecticut. And we are. Facts. Warts, bumps, lumps, and all, we're out there, right? Because I don't believe that, and I learned it from my mama, no one remembers average people. Now, someone may be offended, but you might be average. So no one remembers average people. And the people that we remember in history, you know, or times past are people who've actually done something that is above average. It could be criminal, (laughs) but you remember people who've done something out of the norm. And also, those are the people that we carry on their stories. Often their stories become myths, legends, and, you know, uh, tales. So, but it inspires people to want to be like them. I'm going to focus on the good here, of course, but I am so looking forward to people seeing this exhibit that it's going to inspire them. Many will want to become, you know, uh, engineers and scientists and creators and inventors. But even more deeply, it will inspire many people to want to be a better human being to others. Because I believe that things like racism, and uh, discrimination and hatred, they can, it continues to exist and move forward throughout history and in society because people find a way to devalue someone different from them. It is hard to devalue someone when you see the value of what they've contributed to your life. It is very hard. I'm not going to do a full history lesson here, but those black mammies and nannies on plantations, history shows that those white babies and children love them because they were of value to them. Even though they were slaves and they were forced to do what they did and to take care of them, they knew that those women were taking care of them. I just picked that out. That just came to mind. So I'm hoping that, again, my non-black families come and they enjoy this. Two years ago, I was in South Carolina My wife and I went to Charleston and we visited the Slave Mart. I had never been there. A little shade on some of the political thought in the country right now. Couldn't have a Slave Mart Museum if we never had slaves in America. Just saying. So I went to the Slave Mart Museum. Nerd, I'm reading everything. So it took me hours to get through there. My wife and I were talking about it over dinner later. Some good shrimp and grits. Side note, we brought a lot of those dishes from Africa. (laughs) So, um... I was, you know, telling her how it impacted me and the stuff I didn't know. And she was saying what struck her the most was she saw a a white family, and there were mostly white patrons in that museum. She saw a white family, and a little boy was saying, I don't want to be here. Why am I reading about this? Why am I learning this? And she said what she appreciated, the mother so sternly grabbed his arm and said, you will get over here and read and you will learn. He said, but these are all bad things. She says, yes, bad things done to black people. And so you need to learn so that you won't do bad things to black people. That has stuck with me. I did not encounter that event. I wasn't with my wife. We we were reading separately. But I just think if we had more families like that, that they're like, you're going to learn this so that we understand what people did. I I don't ever blame white folks or 
things that were done in history like you did it. You weren't, you weren't there. When I used to do my diversity and equity work with organizations as a consultant. But what I did say is now that you know better, you're expected to do better. This series that you have created and you continue to put forth in our societies, sir, it is something that is going to help people um, know better, and then I'm expecting them to do better. So as we wrap up, I'm going to ask both of you to share any final thoughts. And again, we're going to share um, the dates and times of this exhibit. And who knows, Doc, we might have to like get together and talk again. But uh, any closing thoughts you like uh, to share with folks, Doc? End up with a quote from the Bible, Hosea 4, 6. It says, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. And it's interesting, you, you spoke about South Carolina, the lack of knowledge of blacks and whites. Both of them are being destroyed. So I'm hoping everyone comes out. Pat, I'll tell everybody the dates and times. I'm excited. You know, I got up 4 o'clock this morning. Is it February yet? <laughs> so let Pat tell everyone the dates and time. I hope to see everybody out there. Bring your paper, your pen, your phone, your tablet, your laptop, whatever. Come. Uh, there's a lecture in the evening. We, we're going to have a video. We're going to have a, a brief mini lecture. I'll get to speak. So everyone come out. As we engage this Black Inventions exhibit and take advantage of this awesome opportunity, uh, let us not forget the many inventions of African Americans that didn't make the books because of enslavement, and that the enslavers were taking the uh, credit for what our people have invented. Um, we were unable to, in enslavement, to um, have the ability to make a patent. So let's remember that too, is that there's, there's more that we can uh, think about other than what we see and experience in this exhibit, that there is more that our people have done. So that's my last thought about that. But I just would like to again uh, provide you with the dates and times for the uh, Black Inventions exhibit here in Windsor, uh, Thursday, February 1st from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. at Sage Park Middle School, 25 Sage Park Road will be available and open to the public. This is a free event and it is something that we're really excited about. It's a collaboration sponsored by the Windsor Freedom Trail Committee along with collaborating with the Sage Park Middle School and the Archer Memorial Amy Zion Church. Um, again, exclusively for students in the Sage Park uh, School is uh, February 1st and 2nd. Um, we are really excited about being able to have those students experience the exhibit. Uh, so I think that's it, and I do appreciate the time that we've spent together. Thank you so much, Dr. Hill, for this opportunity. So I, I thank you. I want to thank Dr. James Entz and Ms. Patricia Gardner for joining us today on this episode, and I am really excited to see this exhibit and to hear what you have to share, Dr. Entz. And as we always say on Chat and Chill with Super Hill, if you think you know what's going on in Windsor or what we're doing here in Windsor, or if you know Windsor, you don't really know, but now you know. 